Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. Today we're going to be talking about what it's like to launch a new beauty brand in the highly competitive luxury market. What are the challenges? What strategies can you use to overcome them? And how do you find and cultivate a customer base? To answer these questions and more, I'm joined by Veronique Gabay, founder of Veronique Gabay Beauty, and Lisa Payne, senior editor of Beauty at Stylus. So, Veronique, you have uh, many years' experience in the beauty industry, including at uh, L'Oreal, LVMH, and Estee Lauder. Perhaps you could give us a quick insight into how you got where you are today. Yeah, you know, effectively, I spent many years working in the industry, and and I fell into fragrance uh, a little bit by chance. I was at L'Oreal, and I started in makeup, and then at one point, they asked me to work in the fragrance category, and I completely fell in love with it, and I found myself in it. And it was interesting because my path was really more business management and, and, and marketing, really, and creative, but this category really was something something else and I needed to train myself into the product development end of it. I was so passionate about it. And a perfumery house really helped me did do that. And so all my life was this parallel between business and creative. And, uh, you know, at one point, you know, I've, I've grown into those companies to a, a level of corporate management and executive positions. And little by little, you go higher and higher in the hierarchy, but you go further and further away from what was driven me into that world. And so at one point, I was like, okay, I can't continue to report to Wall Street every quarter. I'm going to lose my soul. And uh, I really decided at a time that it was time for me to really jump into the other side, you know, the entrepreneurial pool, really. And, uh, you know, it, it took me a few years to really accept the idea for myself. Honestly, I was afraid. I was simply afraid. Afraid not necessarily just of the financial risks, but I was afraid of uh, what people would say, you know, and, you know, call it the syndrome of a the best schoolgirl, you know, but it's, um, I was afraid. And so I think with maturity, um, you tend to gain confidence. And also I think with age, there's a moment when um, not fulfilling a dream is a bigger risk than taking it. So you are now fulfilling this dream. Yeah. Can you tell us about um, uh, the, the brand you've launched and when you launched it and what the inspiration is behind it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny how you always go back to your roots somehow. And I was born in uh, the south of France, and we call it the Côte d'Azur. The American call it the French Riviera. You call it the south of France, you know. So I was born there, and uh, there's something absolutely magical about it because there's a, a wonderful balance of nature, which is stunning there. You have the Mediterranean Sea in front of you. You have the Alps behind you. And then you have this abundance of plants and flowers and trees. And it's no chance, if you will, that the uh, fragrance industry uh, was born in that region. And grass is still, you know, very active. But then there's also culture. A ton of artists came there and, you know, because they were inspired by the light of the Côte d'Azur. And so... They infused the region with sophistication and meaning and forward thinking. And then you have a very glamorous lifestyle. And so, you know, 
I love it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about it. But I love the fact that this glamour is not about ostentation's luxury. It's more about really living moments to the fullest. You go to the beach and you're half naked, but you're going to have a fabulous lunch with, you know, beautiful white tablecloth, you know, and a glass of rosé. Or you go to a market and you buy your tomatoes and your cucumbers and, you know, you have painters and musicians and it's absolutely amazing. So I like this idea of living life to the fullest and adding beauty to everyday life. And that's what I wanted to bring uh, into the brand and also what's a little deeper, maybe, and sorry to be a little philosophical, but the Côte d'Azur is part of the Mediterranean Sea. And the Mediterranean was the cradle of two philosophies that are really, really important to me and I think to the world. One is hedonism. And really, when you work in beauty or in fragrance or in luxury, all we do is an exercise in hedonism. It's about bringing pleasure to people. It's about adding joy to everyday life. It's about making things more beautiful, you know, for your enjoyment. And it's also about, uh, you know, the, the Mediterranean also was the cradle of humanism. And in a world that has become more technological, more visual, I think bringing back the element of humanity and bringing back the human being at the center of the, the discussion was really important for me. So, we do it through sensoriality, hedonism and humanism, because I think that's the only thing that's left to us to really believe we're human. And we're doing it by, you know, adding an element of generosity to luxury so people feel welcome and taken care of. And I think it's important. So how does that manifest itself in, in the brand design and the marketing and the way that you engage your your customers, you talk about bringing the human back. I'd, I'd love to know how you actually sort of implement that. So the element of sensoriality, if you will, uh, goes through various components of the products and the brand. Um, if you experience the brand and the products mostly, you will see that it's all about the scent, obviously, but it's also about touch and it's also about light. And it's really in the product itself, all of my fragrances are part luminosity, part mystery and sensuality, like every one of us. You know, we have a part of us that we show and a part of us that we keep secret. And so all of the fragrances are built this way. They're infused with light and they are created on skin. So they bloom on skin and become very sensual on skin. The fact that they're infused with light allows for the wearer to be surrounded with this aura, if you will, around them, it's never overwhelming, it's never cloying, it's never heavy. So it's really something that gives you an element of well-being. So that's one element, if you will, the sensoriality part of it. The other part of it is really, I would say, the values of the brand. You know, I mean, we really care about people and we really care about, um, you know, the fact that we want them to find their own signature within the brand. So... For example, when it comes to the fragrances, you know, we have what we call signature fragrances and they're beautiful in themselves, but you can also apply on top of it what we call the booster fragrances that will fine-tune the signature as if, you know, you could finish the sentence that I started for you. You know, so this element of easy personalization is important 
And uh, and then it's the same principle in my beauty must-have. It's the same principle in jewelry. It's really helping people wear things the way they want. So, Lisa, these trends and ideas that you see in your work uh, uh, at uh, at Stylus in terms of <coughs> personalization and humanism and sensoriality? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think... I think that uh, what Veronique was tapping into just there, sort of about hedonism and sensoriality and well-being, um, you know, they might seem, and personalization as well, they might seem like separate concepts, but when it comes to today's luxury consumer, it, it does feel like these things are, are super necessary to engaging with them um, just because the, the, there is so much in this space that needs to be explored in a different way for mm. the new luxury consumer. So who is this lu- new luxury consumer that you mentioned? I mean, you, I assume, Veronique, that you have an idea of who your your ideal customer is. I mean, be interested to hear uh, how you engage with them and how you, you target them. You know, it's funny because I don't have an no. ideal customer. You know, um, I think that, uh, on the contrary, I'm uh, fascinated about who would be interested in, in, the, in the brand and the products. And the whole purpose of the brand is to welcome everyone. So, you know, if, even my sense, you know, are, are not done for a woman or for a man. You know, they're done to express a sensation and make you feel a certain way. And frankly, you know, if you like it, by all means, take it, you know. So I don't have any rules and regulations as regard to who I want to tap into. Obviously, the, the brand is a luxury brand, so I know there is an element of, uh, you know, disposable income that will come into play. But that's why I did also into the brand little things that allow for people to get into the brand, even if their income is not, you know, the luxury income. So, you know, we have a discovery set and it's very low price. So people can really get into the brand. We have, you know, we worked with a financial institution called Afterpay. So the young people can access the brand and pay in several times. You know, we do several things so that, uh, you know, yes, it's luxury because the products are exquisite and done with a ton of care and a ton of expertise. And we use the best ingredient and we try really to do things well. But it doesn't mean that it's luxury because I just want certain people to enjoy it. Yeah, and I mean, I think, just to jump in there, it feels like, especially for luxury beauty, it's so important for us to to move away from this concept of a luxury item, like a dead object. Mm -hmm. Whereas with beauty, it is all about the experience. It is all about sensoriality. And it's about creating a unique experience that someone feels enveloped and can take forward. So even outside of beauty, we're seeing so much um, research and new uh, projects that are coming through that are allowing luxury customers to to experience things that they might not be able to experience any other time and um and this move away from that dead object is 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 kind of super key here but it's also um about sustainability we can't you know talk about luxury in the future without uh, tapping into sustainability and this is and within the concept of sustainability it's interesting that we previously saw a lot of luxury brands targeting the younger generation to get that young spend um, but now brands are also looking back at the older customers so the Gen Xs and the olders um, and the values of the older customers aren't necessarily that different from the younger ones so to give you an example um, 
True luxury customers expect brands to approach sourcing, production, and sales in a truly ethical manner. Um, and globally, 56% claim that they investigate a brand's social responsibility before they purchase. And so this is very much the same as the young mindset that we see shifting into the older generation. And so it makes it much easier for a brand like yours to kind of target both demographics or lots of different demographics at the same time without alienating one in particular. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that you're talking about sustainability because obviously, you know, um, it's very hard to be fully sustainable and my brand is not fully sustainable. And quite frankly, I will never lie about that. And to me, it's not a marketing tool. Too many people use it a little too much as a marketing tool. Absolutely. For me, you know, I'm very transparent about what's happening in the way that we're creating the brand and creating the product. What's super important, you were talking about something ethical. That, to me, is at the core of how we are, you know, imagining and creating and developing and producing our products. And so the all of the ingredients that I use in my perfume are uh, sourced in a very ethical manner. They all come usually from the south of France or the Mediterranean, but it can come from elsewhere if needed. And we make sure that each time that we are sourcing those ingredients, we work, you know, to make sure that the, we are helping the communities that are harvesting those ingredients. So that's, to me, very, very important. The element of generosity that I was talking about is also part of the way that, um, you know, we're managing our business. And it's super, super important to me. And then there's also different type of elements. I think that beyond the uh, sourcing, you have the way that you produce. So we're producing in super clean environment and factories. So, you know, the factory that we're using in the south of France to make our products, um, they are so clean. It's so clean out there that, you know, we are in a field where puppies are growing again. And, you know, puppies don't grow in an environment where the air is not good enough. So you have this field of puppies and then we have beehives and we're producing both honey and perfume in the factory. So it's quite amazing. Uh, so the, the cleanliness of the environment and the uh, protection of the environment is very important. We're... Um, also contributing and working in collaboration with an organization called Pure Projet. And Pure Projet is an organization that basically reforests uh, the world, you know, and they did it in Amazonia, they're doing it in Asia, you know, removing the palm and, you know, planting back indigenous plants. And we're doing that with the brand in the Mediterranean region. So, you know, to help against erosion and things like that. So I think it's super, super important to give back to the nature that is so inspiring the brand. And finally, um, you know, the products are gorgeous and I didn't want to compromise on the aesthetics. But every bottle that I do is refillable. So basically you have a beautiful object, but it's meant to be kept a very long time. And the refill bottle that I sell are recyclable. So that's a way that, yes, you have a beautiful object that is a luxurious, beautiful thing that will, I hope, give you pleasure on a daily basis, but with a mindset of not wasting resources. So it's it's almost, you know, having that luxury item, but keeping it alive by allowing it to be refilled um, and then also kind of tapping into the concept of more meaningful luxury. So emotionally connecting the customer better with the project, um, with the product, but then also having, yeah, this, th this sense of 
of of well-being that comes from knowing that you're doing something good. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting. To me, luxury, there's an element of luxury that's about timelessness. Luxury is not something you throw away. It, It can't be. And if you call yourself luxury, then you have to make sure that you think, you know, that this object or this product has to live a very long life. You know, there's, there's a sense of time in luxury. It takes time to create a luxury item and it should live a long time with you, even if you are the one finishing the, the look and feel of it. And there's also another element that is, to me, it's craftsmanship. You can't call yourself luxury if you're not a master of your craft. You have to do it as best as you can, and best is not even enough. You have to go at it again and again and again because, you know, you can always perfect your craft. And then you express it in the most exquisite, uh, you know, environment or experience for your consumer. But, you know, it's interesting to me, I think that, with luxury, if you master your craft, then you have um, a mission to educate people as well. And I think that the role of education is not necessarily something that was always thought through in luxury. But I think luxury is not just about a logo, a shiny item or a rarity of distribution. I think it's really about craft. It's about time. And it's about education. I wanted to ask... Um the challenges that you felt you faced. Because obviously you have a lot of experience, but even the most experienced person when you're launching a new brand, there are a lot of unknowns. You can't plan for everything. So I'd love to hear about the, the challenges you faced and, and how you overcame them. So it's, it's really uh, timely. <laughs> I think one of the things that is a, a remaining thread in terms of challenge, it's, uh, you know, I think the development to the point you were making, I have the expertise. So this was not necessarily the most difficult thing for me. It's difficult if you want to do it right, but you know how to do it. Um, The element of human resources uh, was, you know, when you have a, a ton of money, you can recruit the best talent. When you don't, you have to really focus on what really is a priority and uh, and in human resources, that's the most challenges. It's the most challenging because when it comes to projects or what you want to spend or whatever, yes, priorities is it's easy to do. But when you need people, uh, it's a little more challenging. And the other thing, you know, that's something you can't plan. You can't plan the evolution of you know an economy. For example, you know, I launched. Uh, at Liberty in the UK, and they're the most amazing partner. I'm so proud and happy to be there. And I was as proud and happy to launch with Barney's in New York. Barney's is closing. So three months into the launch, bye-bye, Barney's. So for a young brand, it's really a dramatic situation. And I didn't want my brand to be, you know, heavily discounted or I didn't want the stock to end up in places that would not, you know, allow for, you know, a good brand equity. So I bought back all my stock, you know. So as a young brand and as a startup, you can never predict what, you know, curveball uh, will be thrown at you. So I think you have to be flexible. You have to be agile in your head and in the way that you handle your business and take every day at a time without losing 
the vision that you have for the brand. You can't lose yourself in the journey, but you have to accept it. Well, one of the one of the hardest things I think for luxury brands is to maintain that um, that vision while still trying to engage a wider audience. And a lot of luxury brands have stayed away from digital for that particular reason because it's it can be chaotic, it can be difficult difficult to control. Um, what is your digital strategy do you do you do you feel like you have one or do you do you do you want to have one or is it is there some other way that you're you're looking at because you talk about bringing the humanity back in so i'm assuming that perhaps there isn't such a huge digital element to to what you're doing there is a, a, a digital element to what i'm doing simply because it's the way that people communicate today so uh, cutting yourself from the way that people communicate is ludicrous i mean it makes no sense um, what you have to do, and it's the same as we're, we were doing with print, with TV, or you know, with any other form of communication, is uh, you know, use it through the filter of your value system. Um, you know, for me, I, I am on Instagram. I'm building my connectivity on Instagram, and I think it's a very powerful tool. But you will never see on my platform. Boobs and ass, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> sorry for being so blunt, but, you know, it is what it is. And so if I say that, you know, the brand is about respecting others, it's about generosity, it's about an escape, it's about well-being. So we'll use those tools of communication to transmit those values. And we will do it in a way that that's, uh, you know, um, native to the brand. But yes, I am using digital um, marketing and, and social media, and uh, but still with the traditional PR, because I think it's still very relevant. And also adding an element of consumer experiential events, because I, you know, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think in this evolution of communication strategies, um, I think somehow we will be forced to go back at the origin of what communication was, which was connecting one-on-one -on -one with individuals. And so I'm trying to develop also a strategy where, or a plan, if you will, where I'm meeting people in small groups, tell them the story about the brand, make them experience the products, explaining where those products are coming from and why they're there. And hopefully, you know, this will mount into something else. I think that's especially uh, poignant for fragrance because it is such a, 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 you know, IRL in real life thing. You can't, you can't look at a, a bottle of fragrance online and, and get the experience of what that smells like, what that looks like, or what kind of lifestyle, you know, is embodied in that product. Um, and I think what's interesting with your... Um, fragrances is that they're all quite complex so for example sur la plage on the beach you know the way that you explained it is it's you know it is a sensorial sort of snapshot of being on the beach in France and it's it wasn't until you sort of mentioned the sort of milky creamy elements like that little bit of sun cream on your body that you can smell and you know it's tapping into all those little things that if I had picked up that fragrance uh, by myself, like in an airport and sprayed it on, I wouldn't necessarily understand it or get the full experience of, of, of having someone sort of sit down with me and tell that story of that product. So I think that, yeah, when it comes to fragrances, you know, that one-on-one -on -one experience is just so important. It is, and it's it's also what creates the 
the passion, really. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's funny because you're talking about the words, but you, we don't have words to express fragrance. It's one of the most ancient senses we have. And, you know, it's located in the reptilian brain, which is basically where our instincts are controlled. Um, so fragrance is about instinct. You like it or you don't. And sometimes you don't know why you like it and you don't know why you don't. It triggers emotions you didn't know you had. It triggers memories that bring people to tears. And so it's a very powerful medium to connect with people. And, and, and you know, also because we're not trained to smell, you know, our eyes are very trained. And in the digital world, it's all about visual, really. So we are less, less and less trained in scent simply because we are more and more and more and more acute in vision. And so you have to take people step by step. And somehow, sometimes what I say to people, close your eyes, breathe, close your eyes, now smell. The perception of the smell, you would have the little touch of cream if you had like two minutes just to, just to do just that, mm -hmm. to smell. And so once you start doing it, like it's a journey you don't want to get off of, you know, because it, it brings so much beauty into life. And it's also that element of, of everybody smelling something different when they yeah. smell one of your fragrances. So not even just ingredients like, you know, iris is obviously something that people can smell totally different things when they, they, they smell that um, particular note. But I remember smelling one of your fragrances and, and it just it took me back to the early 90s, a particular bathroom in Brazil. Look at that. As a child. And I just thought, <laughs> wow, this is insane. Why am I thinking about this? Why does this smell like this? And, 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 and you wouldn't know that I was going to have that experience. You know, would I buy this product uh, for my dad? Because it reminds me of my dad mm -hmm. at that particular time. Um, probably. Yeah. Uh, and you wouldn't know that. And, and I think that that's something so beautiful about, about fragrance and, and just in general beauty. And, you know, it's interesting because with fragrance and beauty in general, but fragrance more so than anything else, it's all about skin. It really is all about skin. Our skin reacts slightly differently um, with fragrance. And some skins are pushing woody notes. Some skins are pushing sugary notes. So you really have to try on skin. And, um, and when you deal with naturals, and my fragrances are really the bulk of it is really naturals. The evolution becomes even more important. And so that's why, again, we did the discovery set, not just because it's an affordable item, but mostly for, to allow people to take the time to try and look at them on skin, you know, date with all of them and then fall in love forever with one of them, hopefully. Um, but that's the idea. And it's really... Um, and so that's why it's so personal. So you're... At the start of this grand journey with this, mm -hmm. with this brand, I, I'd be interested to, to, to end on your thoughts about how you see luxury changing over the next few years and, and how you'll evolve your brand to, to meet the challenges ahead. For me, again, luxury, it's about craft, it's about culture, and it's about creativity. Uh, craft, because again, as we mentioned before, if you do not master your craft, if you're not the best at it, don't call yourself luxury. Culture is because luxury is, I mean, a, a brand and a luxury brand, even more so than any other type of brand, is not a commodity. And so if you're not a commodity, 
you have to make sure that around the craft, around the product, there's a system of value that connects people around what you do. And that system of value is your own culture. You know, I always say a brand is not just the sum of products or geographies or channel of distribution. You know, those are the bricks that creates the walls, that creates the house. But for the house to exist, for the walls to to maintain themselves, you need the cement around the bricks. And that is the value system of the brand. So culture is very important. And understanding of aesthetics is very important. And then creativity, because when you're a brand that say it's luxury, um, usually luxury brands are not things we need. Nobody needs another red lipstick. Nobody needs another white T-shirt. And nobody needs another fragrance. But if you create something that is amazingly exciting, different, innovative, you know, if you attract people and you create the desire, people will want it. And so I think luxury is about that. It's about making sure you have something absolutely extraordinary in an ethical system of value that brings people in. And then it's about really this idea of creating something people will want. And then if you can educate them and give them the experience around it, then I think you're golden, you know. But the point of education, I think, is is important. I think Veronique summed it up really well. It is, without going all Mary Kondo, about sparking joy um, and being creative and offering something that is emotional, experiential, but increasingly going forward, it should be. Um, about something that is meaningful and wellness orientated and, you know, tapping into elements that are sustainable so that people can have that joy without feeling like they're contributing to the planetary issues that we're experiencing right now. You know, I, I, you know, what we say about the brand and, and listen, again, I'm not saving lives. I'm not protecting the planet to the degree that maybe we all should. Um, But if I can bring a smile on people's face, if I can give them this aura around them that gives them confidence and comfort and joy and happiness and sex appeal, if we bring that well-being this way, then I think we've done something. And, And that's why what we claim with the brand is that we hope to bring to people what I call sunshine for the senses and for the soul. Well, that's a lovely place to end. Uh, and, and now I just want to be sitting on a beach in the Côte d'Azur. Um, thank you very much. It was a fascinating uh, conversation. I'd like to thank my guests, Veronique Gabay and Lisa Payne. And thank you all for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available. <laughs>